When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, welcome into a, um, uh, let's see here, Matthew Collars in Los Angeles, and I believe because this is exclusive to a podcast, we can still call this the Purple Podcast, but it's the Purple Daily Purple Podcast. Is that right, Matthew? Yeah, I would say just Purple Daily Podcast feed is fair. Okay. All right, so let's get down to the nuts and bolts of a game that I that I said going in. Man, I'm you know some trepidation here. Vikings going west on the road, playing the Chargers, who are coming off a big win against Jacksonville. This game might be tough. Well, twenty nine point win for the Vikings, thirty nine points. Your impressions of what transpired today in I believe it's Carson, California, where the Chargers play their home games. It is Carson, California, and it's a soccer stadium, and it was a very purple soccer stadium today. <laughs> and uh, they were doing skull chants for most of the day, and I can't imagine Philip Rivers and the Chargers really love that. But to your question, you know, I don't actually think it was wrong to say that this was supposed to be a tight matchup or a matchup with a team with a lot of talent. And I also don't think it's wrong to say that this game was closer than the final score when Philip Rivers was just heaving balls and getting them picked off at the end and they were just turning it over like crazy and giving the Vikings rushing touchdowns to Mike Boone. That, you know, at halftime, uh, because of that fumble that was brought back for a touchdown, it, it still was a pretty decent gap for the Vikings. But 50 seconds before halftime, this was a game that was right there for either team, and then the Chargers started fumbling literally every time a Vikings player came near them. Um, but, but I think that what we saw over the first half is kind of where I would focus more closely about playing against tighter teams or better teams as they go forward here. Uh, obviously, Green Bay is much better than the Chargers, and you know maybe Chicago is sort of on par as a disappointing team with some talent. And then when you get into the playoffs, it's going to be all good teams. In the first half, there were some good things that you would talk about and some bad things. I mean, the bad thing, of course, Kirk Cousins with an inexcusable interception on a screen pass. Uh, they did not finish drives. And when I talked to Adam Thielen after the game, he seemed a little annoyed that they didn't finish a bunch of different drives with field goals. And that's something that they've actually been very, very good so far this year in doing is usually when they get to the red zone, they put it away and they score touchdowns, but they didn't do that today. And I think a large part of that was they didn't really run the ball very well in the red zone or just really well in general until the game was already over. And now with Delvin Cook's status unclear, I don't really have an update for you. Mike Zimmer informed us he is not a doctor. So I've got that. Whoa, whoa, what? Um, whoa, whoa, what? Yeah. He's not? He's, I know. He yeah. doesn't have his PhD? Nope, not a doctor. Who the hell nope, is he? not a doctor. He's a football doctor, as in he knows football and can diagnose football, but not people and medical things. Okay, so anyway, uh, I, I don't have an update for you there, but I can tell you that even when Delvin Cook was in the game and he wasn't able to run, the offense 
is just not the same when they can't run the football. And that's where the Chargers actually in that first half did a pretty good job. And, and the other part, too, was, you know, Mike Hughes was getting picked on again. I thought he stepped up in the second half and did a really good job there. But Rhodes getting hurt early in the game, that's just a thing we're dealing with week in and week out. And, I, you know, where I've come to, Judd, after this one is this is the type of game that shows you how the defense will have to win because they are going to give up yards. People need to stop freaking out on Twitter every time a team passes the ball and gets a 20-yard gain against the Vikings defense. It's going to happen against this defense, but they can still be very good. They can still have games where they only allow 10 points to a great quarterback with an offense that was fifth in yards per play this year coming into this game, and that's by getting turnovers. And after getting seven of them, uh, I would imagine they're off toward the top of the league in turnovers this year after a game like this. But they've actually been doing a decent job of that all year, is, is not giving up touchdowns when the opponents get into the red zone, not giving up, uh, you know, at, um, uh, I mean, taking the ball away as opposed to, uh, you know, just holding them to, like, very few yards as they would have a couple of years ago. That's the defense you're going to have to win. Uh, to pl- uh, I'm sorry, that's the defense you're going to have to play if yep. you're going to win when you get into the playoffs, and I think we have to accept that. So where are, are you? Because there's, you know, talk. We, we got calls today on Ventline about people saying, eh, it's, Sandy, or it's the L.A. Chargers and they suck and, you know, we can't tell a thing. And I sympathize with that and agree to a certain point. And, you know, Detroit. Detroit was an awful game. Detroit didn't – they really didn't care. But where are you as far as, as curiosity and even potentially comfort or angst going into the Packers game now? Because to me – Matthew, the last few weeks set up for one thing, and that is a week from Monday night, U.S. Bank Stadium, and I'm not even trying to say the Packers are a great team because I don't believe that they are, but they are certainly a competent team that's going to give you a test. Where are you as far as seeing uh, what the attributes are or what the uh, what the detriments are when it comes to the Vikings facing the Packers in that game? Yeah, you know, the, the Packers are kind of going through some of this stuff, too, where a lot of their wins are all of a sudden really hideous. Their win today against Chicago was not impressive, really, by any means. Against Washington last week, again, it was by something like five points. Can't really write home about that. I mean, these are two teams um, that do have to sometimes win weird or win ugly, and I don't know if I take much away from this game to compare it to that one because it, again, is sort of a fading legend quarterback, not to the point of Phillip Rivers faded uh, in Aaron Rodgers' case, but I think Rodgers averaged like six yards an attempt today against Chicago. So it's not like he is just lighting it up all over the place. So it's two teams that are both really strong but also have showed their flaws down the stretch at times. And I thought in the first half of this game against the Chargers, we did see some of those flaws from the Vikings offense, especially when they can't run. And if Delvin Cook doesn't play next week and they have to play Mike Boone the whole game, if Alexander Madison isn't back, well, that doesn't feel uh, quite as secure of a situation as putting Boone in the fourth quarter and letting him run over the Chargers when they had more or less given up. I mean, I think that when you say, uh, like, oh, the running game is really important, that a lot of people roll their eyes. Uh, in football now because it's such a passing league, but when you have a team that everything is predicated off the run, off of the play action, that's where it becomes very, very important. So Delvin Cook's status will absolutely be um, you know, a, a huge factor yep. in, in depending on whether 
this team can go anywhere in the playoffs or not, I, I think. And now that this is kind of wrapped up almost, we're like 90% there with the Rams losing to Dallas and all the Vikings have to do is get one out of these two or have the Rams lose one out of the two, I think everything sort of points toward what are we going to think about this team when they go into the playoffs. And if they lose Delvin Cook for the year or something after this game, then we're going to look back at the Chargers game and say, well, that may have been a nice win and it may have been, you know, that game where Philip Rivers threw all the picks and they fumbled a bunch of times and all the, you know, purple fans showed up here and everything else. But that was the one where you lost Delvin Cook and lost your chances to go deep in the playoffs. And you know, it's not impossible to do it with other running backs. I think for this team, the way they're built is, is really, really tough. So that would be one of my big takeaways. Mm-hmm. The other is when you have some of these sloppy things happen, like the interception or like, having the other team fumble at the 10-yard line and not being able to score a touchdown off of that. When you go up against the really good teams, I'm not sure you're going to get away with those things. And, and when the Vikings have played good teams this year, teams with winning records, they haven't gotten away with them, but they've made the same mistake. And when they've played the bad teams, and sorry, yeah, I mean, we talked about how the Chargers are maybe better than their record and things like that, but, well, I guess Bill Parcells was right. You are what your record says you are. Like this is clearly a team that's not good at five and nine. Um, so you you know you make those mistakes against them, and they just doubled your mistakes and made even more. I don't think the Packers are going to do that. I definitely don't think if you have to play the Packers at Lambeau, they're going to do that. I know the Saints are not going to let you off the hook. I know the 49ers probably won't if you have to go out to their building. And, and so even though this was a really good win that they needed big time for their playoff position. And you, it's hard to complain when you win by 29. Yep. You look at that first half and say, well, you know, there were some moments in there of weakness where you were pretty concerned about the way this was going to go. Yeah. And and the Chargers, to be clear, melted down. Like this was not a, oh, yeah. this was not a man, the Vikings looked great. It, it was the Chargers suddenly looked like, oh, my God, I've got the football here. Take it from me. Uh, the one thing that I keep going back to, though, and this is my question as you potentially get into the playoffs and play good quarterbacks and good teams. What is the answer to stop, at, or I shouldn't say stop, that's too strong. What is the answer to curtail or control opponents' passing game? Because, Matthew, I, I don't see it. Rhodes is hurt now, and Rhodes cannot run. You know, let's be clear about this. He can't move, okay? So this is not a, oh, it'll be fixed in two weeks. The man can't move. Uh, Mike Hughes I like, and I think he's developing, but I'm sorry if uh, if Michael Thomas gets matched up on Mike Hughes and I don't get Mike Hughes' help, it's going to be a mismatch of epic proportions. So I keep going back to the question of in, in a game against a, a breeze or a good quarterback, and especially when that guy has good receivers at his disposal, how are the, how are these cornerbacks going to even contain receivers and I keep asking that question and week after week I keep watching these games and saying I honestly don't think that there is an answer even for a guy as smart as Zim has been I don't think it's I don't think that there is something where you can say for sure this can be stopped well number one is they need Mike Hughes to progress and he talked about it after the game about how each week he's trying to take those steps. Like he has the goal of being in the weak corner, and each time he goes out there, he tries to get better and better. And that second quarter drive, early in the second quarter, when they took advantage of him and threw the fade for the touchdown, usually a fade's a bad play, but when your guy's 6'3", the other guy's 5'10", you can jump over him for a touchdown, then it turns into a good play. Um, 
that right there looked like Mike Hughes was in for a very, very long day. And then the rest of the game, there wasn't much taking advantage of him. And, and I don't know if that's just because the Chargers were playing from behind and so forth. They kept fumbling the ball and throwing interceptions. But even him getting that interception might be big for his confidence. And the fact now that I think if Rhodes is hurt uh, himself again and has to be out even longer, this is Mike Hughes' job. But even if it's not, it kind of is anyway. Mm-hmm. The Rhodes might start the game, play a series, sit out a series, sit out another series here or there, inevitably get hurt again. And Mike Hughes is going to have to play a lot. And a lot of it is just going to rely simply on can Mike Hughes start to make plays on the ball. And he actually brought up that he went to Eric Kendricks said, how do you make plays on the ball in a, in a certain technique? Because he wants to improve the way he does it, just like Eric Kendricks, who, by the way, better be in the damn Pro Bowl. If he isn't, then that thing is a sham. Not that it isn't already. It's a but sham, it's Matthew. Especially huge. It's an especially huge sham. He, he deserves that. He's had an unbelievable year uh, this season, and, and that really showed today. But aside from that, you know, I, I think what the answer is, is you have these superstar players on this defense. Harrison Smith, Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, Eric Kendricks. To me, those are the superstars of the team. And I know I left out a few guys who have been called superstars in the past, but I only talk in reality. If those guys make big plays, you can still win and give up a bunch of yards in other areas, but you need big plays. You need stacks. You need third-down stuffs. And third and one running up the middle again today for the Chargers. You need interceptions when the ball flutters your way like from Harrison Smith. You need Daniil Hunter when he gets close to knock the ball out of Philip Rivers' hands and completely change this game. I mean, this game could have gone a thousand different ways in the second half if Daniil Hunter does not do that. And that's what they've come to expect from Daniil Hunter on a weekly basis. That, if I'm Mike Zimmer, is what I'm saying. I, I need these other guys to step in and occasionally do their job. Mike Hughes, Afadi Adenabo, Julio Johnson, people like that. But if the superstars go into New Orleans or they go into San Francisco or Seattle or wherever we're going to end up here in the playoffs or Lambeau, and they don't make big plays, if they don't come up with sacks, if they don't come up with turnovers, interceptions, pick sixes, whatever it might be, then you'll probably lose because teams can clearly move the football on this defense, and if you haven't figured it out by now, then you're not going to figure it out, and whoever you play in the playoffs will have a great quarterback. There will be zero teams in the playoffs in the NFC with, bad, with a bad quarterback. So you're going to have to just recognize that they'll move the ball up and down the field, but if you stop them in the red zone, if you make big plays at big times with your superstars, you can still be good enough on defense, and then you need a really good performance out of your offense, in which, you know, aside from a very stupid throw from Kirk Cousins right into the hands of Melvin Ingram today, um, you know, Kirk was good, and you, need, and you need that version. You need that version of Kirk who hits a big pass to Stephon Diggs down the field. You need the screen game to work. You need him to complete passes on third downs. You need the offensive line to hold up really well like it did today. All those things are going to have to, to go right. Um, but, you know, we've been talking about this kind of for a while. It is a team that, you know, demands its offense to be really great in a playoff game to win. Kendricks, just to, to go back there, put into context how good this guy has been because he was fantastic again today, and I just think he's probably sold short right now on how good he has been not just in today's game against the Chargers, Matthew, but throughout this year. He has been fantastic. I mean, the play he made in coverage today, I thought it was a safety or cornerback running with the receiver, and he broke the play up. This guy's year, to me at least, has been off the charts, and I always thought he was good, but this is a player who's gone from, I think, being good to, as you said, Pro Bowl, uh, all-pro type of greatness. 
Yeah, I think that there's a difference between a huge difference between saying someone should be a Pro Bowler and someone should be an All Pro. Huge. This yes. is an All Pro season. This is not just a good Pro Bowl season. Hey, he had a great year. Good for him. This is he might be the best linebacker in the NFL this year, and he is by Pro Football Focus's metrics. He is in passes defended number one, and it's not even close. It's by like five or something like that. I mean, and every time you see a running end, even in his area you know he's going to tackle that guy. I mean, almost to a T every single time. Yep. And I'm sure that there are some things that still go wrong, but, I mean, there are games that I feel this year he's almost been perfect, where he's been in position every single time where he's supposed to be, where every time the ball is near him, he's knocking it away, he's making clutch plays at big times. And that's, that's really what it's about for this defense, is that you have three guys, and I think Harrison Smith has actually had a really good year. You have three guys who could easily be Pro Bowl two guys who can be all pro and you need them to play like it every game from now on. Like there can't be assuming that week 17 matters, but if it doesn't, then okay, then, you know, next week against the Packers and then into the playoffs, this needs to continue. But I'm, I am amazed by him. I said today, I kind of made the, a little bit of a joke, but only half joking that he's been playing like Ray Lewis. I mean, he's just, when every run, he's already in the gap waiting for the guy. When every pass, he's knocking away. I think what it is, Judd, is that he's always had the speed. He's always had the motor. He's always had the intelligence. But now he's got the experience to go with that. So he's seen every one of these offenses, even if they don't play the Chargers regularly. Like He's seen the kind of offense that they play. He's seen every route combination. And I, I think that that's just helped him take his game up a notch, yep. and it needs to stay there. Or, you know, again, they'll get beat if it doesn't. I mean, that, that's how much they rely right now on Neil Hunter and Eric Hendricks for these big plays because um, everybody else is kind of spotty for the most part, aside from Harrison Smith. Um, but when those two come through, you can win a game kind of on their back. Who, by the way, those two are signed to team – friendly contracts imagine that one if, if those guys had gotten near their walk years and come into uh spielman and brzezinski and said time to pay up those two contracts from a viking standpoint are fantastic you know with the kendricks one i thought that's exactly the right deal no like, okay it's not, <laughs> that's that's what i thought at the time it's like okay he's a real good player and you get him locked up for a while and 10 million bucks a year okay solid but now, you're right, that is a great deal for him. The Hunter one is preposterous. It's ridiculous, it's absurd, I have no idea how it happened, it shouldn't have. Um, good, good for the Vikings for convincing him to take it, but what in the... Because he could easily be making $20 million a year, he could be making Khalil Mack money, and instead, they've got him at a very reasonable deal to afford other people. And, you know, the other thing too, Judd, is that we're seeing also as this season goes along, um, some of the guys develop, you know, and that's the Daniel Hunter and Eric Hendricks story is that they have developed from a second round and a third round pick, and maybe someone, some reporter from Score North might have an article coming out on this next week. Take a look for it. Um, but, uh, you know, they've, they've developed those guys into great players, and now we're seeing other guys who we didn't really know about do the same thing. Jaleel Johnson gets a sack, yep. Abadi Adenabo, you know, he, he gets a sack and he runs that fumble back for touchdown that's kind of random but the sack isn't and his role isn't that he's turned into that tom johnson like player and that's the other thing that they need i mean of course uh it's the superstars to step up and make plays but now that we've seen a little bit more effectiveness from the younger guys stepping into some of these roles i mean they're kind of playing the way they need to play at the right time and there are no injuries aside from xavier rhodes which is kind of a 
a net positive, honestly, even though Hughes isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhodes was playing at, as one of the worst corners in the NFL this year. So, you know, overall, you're probably doing better to have somebody else out on the field. But aside from Delvin Cook, you look at this entire team now and you say, how many other teams in the NFL can say that they are almost 100% healthy? Well, this reminds me a lot of 2017 in that way, Judd. They won all the games they were supposed to win. Some came by luck. Some came by you know playing really well and just kicking the hell out of the other team. And then when it came down to playing the good teams, that's when they were really tested. And, of course, you know we're going to find out what ends up happening here. But now the focus has to become can they somehow pull off a home playoff game? The answer is probably not really. Um, they would need the Packers to lose to the Lions in Week 17. Yeah, that's, that's a big really ass, Matthew Collar. Not gonna, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, but now who do you play, though, right? I mean, how is this going to play out for who they play? So even though Monday night against the Packers is exciting just because it's Monday night against Packers, it really doesn't mean much. I'm really watching these other games over these next two but, weeks of how, how is this going to line up? But I disagree from this standpoint. I think it means a lot as far as, as your own team. If you're Spielman, if you're Zimmer, that gives you a window into where you truly are, I think. Because you can't, you know, you can't play Detroit and say, uh-huh, we know. Because you just don't know. Today, the Chargers, listen, the first half, I thought to myself, this is a close game. It's sort of exciting. And then the Chargers uh, f- fumble, obviously, after the exchange of I lose the ball, you lose the ball, I lose the ball, and the game became a bleep show. Uh, but at least the Packers game, I think, I think, is going to give the Vikings an idea of where things stand. Because here's the weird thing. Sports in 2019, right? The Twins, what what did they do? Really impressive year in a terrible division, and basically you went into the Yankees series saying, I think it's going to be different. It wasn't. The Gophers, Penn State win was great, but you beat up on a lot of terrible teams. And so you got to the Wisconsin game being like, I think they can do this. Ultimately, they couldn't. And so in 2019, I've dumbed down my personal expectations just to want a few games here and there where I can at least say that's a game that I can put my finger on. And even if it's not as important as we once thought it might be as far as playoff positioning or where you're going for the playoffs, it gives me some idea. That's why I look at this game and say, I think it's going to give give me an idea because, you know, the Chargers and especially the Lions simply don't do that. Yeah, I guess you could look at it as our final barometer in a season where we haven't really had many barometers. Uh, When you are going to go into the playoffs as a team with victories against, potentially if they lose against Green Bay, you might have zero wins against winning teams and go into the playoffs at, uh, you know, 11 and 5 and feel great about yourself. And that'll be kind of weird for us to talk about. Like, well, I don't know that. you know, the Lions and Chargers and all these other wins, like, were any of them really good? And, and that was the story of uh, several other teams. But I also think, uh, you know, even in town, but I also think it's kind of the story of the NFL this year, yeah. is the teams that were even halfway decent look great because they're playing a lot of junk along the way. And then when we get to the playoffs, we're really going to find out what's what. I mean, I go back and forth each week, like, wait, is, you know, New Orleans a stronger team or San Francisco? And then, you know, they have that matchup they had last week, then you might argue both. But then Atlanta, for some reason, gave both of those teams trouble. And like, okay, what does that mean? You know, Seattle, they beat the Vikings just barely. They have to hold on for dear life at the end of that game. And then the following game, they lose and get killed by a Rams team that's clearly not good. And, and, and so you're struggling to even figure out what's what 
the only thing that would concern me as we go into the playoffs, and I'm sure we'll talk you know endlessly about this when it happens, but it's just you know if you're playing against the Packers looking for a barometer, that's great, but that's at U.S. Bank Stadium. And it looks like there's not a very high chance, if almost no chance at all, that you will ever see U.S. Bank Stadium in the postseason. So can you make mistakes like you did against the Chargers in the first half of this game? Can you not finish drives? Can you throw a screen pass to the other team? Can you have you know no running game whatsoever to right. speak of? Things like that. Can you do that and not only just beat maybe New Orleans in the first round, but then go to San Francisco and beat them or something like that. I mean, are you really going to be able to do that? That's something I don't think we're really going to learn against Green Bay. It's probably just a, a tune-up to see how you match up against somebody who's pretty good. But then the other side of the coin is, I think, unless uh, I haven't looked at my playoff machine from ESPN uh, today, but I think you can still end up with a game at Lambeau. So do you want to show the Packers everything that you have <laughs> in this game? Maybe not. Uh, since it almost doesn't mean everything. I'm so looking for, I don't know. It's I'm just, looking for scraps here. I, I'm not kidding you. I'm looking for anything I can get. Because you're right. It, the the uh, potential success that you're going to have against the Packers at home is not necessarily or at all going to translate to the potential success that, that you might have. Let's say you have to play the Saints in the first wildcard game at the Superdome. But I'm to the point now where I just want any indications possible. And I'm sorry, but Detroit at U.S. Bank Stadium comes as far from giving me an indication of where the Vikings stand as I could possibly get. At least today, I did take away that you went on the road, that you traveled a few time zones out, that you played on grass, and won. And and you know what? You could come back at me and say, okay, Judd, but come on, the Chargers stink. They They clearly, at halftime, made some business decisions about their approach to this game, and you'd be right. But I am looking for scraps here, Matthew. I am in search yeah, of yeah, anything. You know, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Judd, this has been the year of who are they really, and I think I know. I think I know right now. I think I know that even when they've played the bad teams, we see some of the flaws. I'll give you an example. Even when they played Detroit, here was the flaw. Uh, when David Blau threw at Trey Waynes, he went eight for nine. Mm-hmm. Like, even David Blau, even Matt Moore, even Case Keenum, these guys were able to go at Mike Hughes, able to go at Davey Rose, able to go at Trey Wayne. So we know what the weakness is. We know what the strengths are, which is the pass rush and, and some of the star players and Eric Hendricks. We know that Kirk Cousins, even though he's had a great, great season, is always capable of throwing that pass right to Melvin Ingram. And last week he did the same exact thing almost, uh, and it was dropped by the Lions, and this time it was caught by the Chargers because Melvin Ingram's a better player than whoever the hell it was that dropped it for the Lions. But, right, I mean, so we know that Cousins is always going to be capable of those things. We know if they can't run and they get to third and long that they're going to have some problems. Um, and we know that they can be a little bit stronger now because they have Adam Thielen, and we, and we know what their strengths are, that they're going to have to be hitting on big plays off play action deep down the field. I will say today, one thing I was impressed with that I could take away and feel way better than the last time they played Green Bay is the offensive line. That The offensive line has taken a huge step forward, and they're completely healthy. I mean, this is something, Judd, how many times since Mike Zimmer has been here have we seen a Minnesota Vikings offensive line stay completely healthy? Um, Up until this point, uh, the answer is none. I mean, even in 2017 when they lost Nick Easton, uh, we knew that was going to be a really big deal, and it ultimately turned out to be uh, a really big deal as they went in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I think this offensive line is playing really, really well and, and gives them a chance to hit those balls down the field. So we know what they do well. We know where their weaknesses are. And we know what their route is going to be to get anywhere significant. 
And when you try to put that all together, I, I think you do have quite a few answers about the odds. Like, mm-hmm. it certainly is not impossible, but it's going to be really, really tough. But I also think that this team has enough talent that if you told me today they ended up in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't even be that shocked because every team in the NFC has some sort of weakness. Absolutely. Hey, why did we have uh, two botched exchanges between the quarterback and uh, Bradbury today? Well, I can tell you that it was not butt sweat because it's freezing out here. And I know that no one wants to hear that, but they have an open-air press box. And imagine, you know, when you go to visit, you know, your uh, your grandparents or, or whatever, and you go in their house, and you're like, why is it 60 or 58 degrees in here? They're like, oh, I like, like it cold. cold. Yeah. Well, that's how, and you freeze. Well, that's how I felt covering this game today. I'm not complaining about the weather in Los Angeles. I'm saying it was freezing today. And I think that everyone was probably really cold on the field. And that might have had something to do with it. But, you know, there have been an inordinate number this year of botched snaps between those two, and probably, I don't know, eight times that, that it's just been a snap and then immediately hit the ground, that's too many. And if they lose one of those and, and lose a game because of it or whatever, uh, that's that's going to be pretty annoying because that's something that should just never happen. And for it to happen twice today was was pretty unacceptable, and they got they got away with it. But I, I don't think it was the butt sweat. I, I think it was probably just that they still seem to have something that's a little off, and I don't know exactly what it is. Scale of 1 to 10, what is your concern about Dalvin Cook now for the rest of 2019? Because this is, this is definitely I, not going away. Yeah, I saw him walk out, mm-hmm. and he didn't look like he had a devastated look on his face, like when he tore the ACL. And it wouldn't surprise me if they said that he's coming back next week and they were holding him out for precautionary reasons again. Uh, but, you know, here's what, one thing I'd like to point out that should be a concern. Dalvin Cook's yards per carry since about week seven is after today probably around about three and a half yards per carry yep. um the mvp delvin cook has just not been there as teams have adjusted and, and tried to focus on what the vikings do well in running with delvin cook now the receiving aspect has been very good and, and sustained as being dangerous but the yards per carry they have not busted out a big run from delvin cook in quite some time uh, I don't even remember the last like, huge run that Delvin busted out. I mean, this is just not the same player as it was early in the season. And that was something that we were talking about all the time, saying, look, I mean, this guy, you're giving him the ball over and over and over and over again. He's going to get worn down. He's going to get beat up. And here we are, and he looks a little worn down. He looks a little beat up. If it, Even if he's okay to go, I mean, there, there's not enough playoff implications on the line at this moment for me to play in the next two weeks. You need him to win. Like, when he is at his absolute best, he's one of the best players in the entire NFL, one of the most dangerous guys that I've ever seen with the football. He, you need him. And without him, I don't think you go anywhere in the playoffs. Absolutely. So are we – by the way, now, are we saying uh, chest or shoulder? Because when he left the game against Seattle and then again today, they immediately come on TV and say it's a shoulder. But – I know after the Seahawks game, they, they walked it back and said, oh, no, no, it's the chest problem that he initially hurt before the bye against the Broncos. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, honestly, okay. it's like I heard clavicle, but, I mean. It's a collarbone sort of problem. The shoulder, yeah. It, yeah, between the shoulder and the chest. I mean, okay. I'm not a doctor, Judge. Neither me or Mike Zimmer you know what? is a doctor. You are, you are paid handsomely to play one though and that's why i respect your <laughs> speculation and you know what well, zim I can just, speculate too I just need, tell me 
we're not going to really know here either because they're going to have the next two days off, Tuesday and Wednesday, and so probably won't have any sense of where he stands until Thursday of whether he's out and not practicing or whether he's right back there practicing and they just held him out because of precautionary reasons. But case, if he was just really hurting and they said, all right, let's not put him back in because Rivers keeps throwing us the ball and they keep fumbling and we'll be fine, yeah. um, then I don't want to see him the next two weeks. Like Give Mike Boone the start or, or Madison if he comes back or Amir Abdullah or whoever. I don't care. As long as it is not – uh, Delvin Cook. You, he's just too important to them. I mean, you, you see the offense and the difference between when he can get five or six yards on first down and set up second and short. That's where all those play actions happen. Mm-hmm. If that's not going on, if he's not getting them to second and three or second and four, you're reducing the number of shots you could take down the field and you're really hampering the offense. And I think we've seen that during stretches of time uh, over these last few games, even if some of them are against very bad teams. Uh, they're still able to slow him down at times, and, and you start to see the offense not being as explosive as it is. The first half against Denver, even at times against the Detroit Lions, it wasn't like they ran them out of the building with 40 points. You know, There were times where the offense was slowed because they weren't running in the same way, and we saw that in the first half today against Los Angeles. So you know, I, I think it all just kind of comes back to you ran the hell out of him early in the year. He got you some wins because of it. There may be games that would have been a little tougher if he wasn't destroying the other team, but now he's worn down. Now he needs to rest and be ready for the postseason. Last thing, very simple question for you. Do the Chargers have any fans? No. I mean, I swear, I'm telling you, the answer is no. Okay. Like it was, they were, they were trying, you had to have a magnifying glass or whatever, uh, binoculars to find <laughs> any Chargers They're fans small the fans. Stadium. They're very small. Tiny, tiny little fans. Um, honey, I shrunk the Chargers fans. <laughs> they, they were not, almost non-existent. I mean, when it it was entirely a home atmosphere for the Vikings. Every third down for Philip Rivers was tough. It was extremely loud um, for the Vikings when they were on offense. There was no noise whatsoever, and they desperately had a PA guy screaming into a microphone the entire game. You People could hear it. You could hear it on the TV broadcast. It was awful. I mean, it's just embar- it's embarrassing. I mean, super embarrassing. I mean, and and the the PA guy, too, would scream until the very last second that he's allowed to scream. Like, he was told, yeah, there's no one that's going to be cheering. So if you could just yell and yell and yell and yell into this microphone until the very last second that you're allowed to, until they step up to the line of scrimmage, yeah, let's go ahead and do that because that's the only noise we're going to have inside of this. And I would also say, too, to the Chargers, some embarrassing music selections. Bon Jovi should not be played in Los Angeles, California. Like the guys from New Jersey or something, you have a rich history of amazing music here. Get your stuff together when you get to that new building because that was a joke. Um, but, yeah, the answer is no. There was nobody here who was not a Vikings fan almost. It was wild. They should just go home, Matthew. The Chargers should go back to San Diego, admit their mistake, and return to, to whence they came, where they belong, because that looked like uh, – it, it looked like, like a complete joke, and God bless Vikings fans. I respect them. They travel really, really well. But the shots I saw, you're right. I couldn't see Chargers fans. So no, they weren't. They weren't here. I mean, I'm serious. Like you had to look really hard, and I'm almost in the stands. Like considering where the press box is, yep. because it's a soccer stadium and it's tiny. So I was sitting right over and looking down on the stands, and it was it was ten. 12 purple jerseys to every one 
person that had you know a Philip Rivers jersey or something on, and I mean it's just it's a really sad situation. But I can't say it is the least traffic I've ever dealt with arriving at a stadium because there's only twenty five thousand feet in Los Angeles. All right, sir, appreciate it. Great work. All right. Thank you, Judd. It's been a, uh, let's see here, a special post-game Purple podcast of the Purple Daily Show, of course. Catch Collar uh, tomorrow at uh, 2 o'clock as well. We'll, he'll, he'll be reviewing the game. And don't forget Vikings Vent Line with Cunningham and myself at 10 o'clock in the morning as we uh, discuss the Vikings win over the Chargers and, more importantly, set up the Packers-Vikings game. We'll talk to you then. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.